and this is the type of testing. But it's not the sunshine that we're asking to expose these things. It's the Son of God. And so I think it is wise when we come to the communion table to tell the Lord, Lord, I realize that I am not worthy to receive of your body and your blood. But through faith in what you've done, according to the word of God, Lord, you say that I am worthy. And so I stand upon the word of God. And Lord, if there is anything in me that should prevent me from having right fellowship with you, Lord, pierce my heart even now that I can confess it before you, that I might declare it before you, that I might be made whole or made clean. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at a section of 1 Corinthians where Paul teaches about communion. And so at the close of this message, we will receive communion together it seems appropriate if we're going to concentrate our teaching on the subject of communion that we should partake in it as well but today we're going to look at a message from first corinthians 11 verses 17 through 34 titled the lord's supper we begin with paul saying i shall not praise you verses 17 through 22 Second, Paul giving the Lord's Supper, verses 23 through 26. And then finally, discerning the Lord's body, verses 17 through 34. I want to go ahead and read the main section of this, which is the institution of the Lord's Supper that Paul received from the Lord and gave to us in scripture. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us to gather back together as a church body. 
And Lord, it is also a day that we are going to be reminded of the importance of receiving communion and the significance of it in a church, in a believer's life. So Father, I pray that you would bless our time together. This day we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have koinonia, we have fellowship, a partnership in the body of Christ because of the work of Jesus Christ, his death upon the cross, his body that was broken for us. It's by his stripes, Peter said, you were healed. Has us looking back to the work of the cross. But then in Isaiah 53, 5, it tells us he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are healed. Uh, speaks about the current circumstance that we find ourselves, where we're at right now in our lives, that the Lord Jesus Christ, you were healed, has us looking back to his work upon the cross. You are healed, has us looking to the current work that Jesus does to each one who puts his faith in him in our lives today. But it's not just the body that was broken, it's also the blood. Verse 25, he says, in the same manner, <laughs> we'll do it the old school way. Apparently my iPad is too hot to be out in the sun. <laughs> Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup itself speaks about the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ that brings cleansing in our lives. And this is the standard that God has set in his word. He tells us in Leviticus 17.11, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness of sin. And likewise, in the New Testament, in Hebrews 9.22, he says it again, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That God had determined that the necessity of blood as a covering of the sin. Now, originally, that blood came through the sacrifices there on the altar, a sacrifice of a uh, oxen, a bull, a lamb, or a goat, or a dove. And their blood became a sacrifice for the individual, or for the nation, or for a family. But ultimately, it speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, that John the Baptist, who told us in John 1, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it's because of his sacrifice, his blood, that we find the remission of sin. And so likewise, verse 25, in the same manner after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, as after, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That there in communion is the proclamation. And that's something that in the recent years that 
personally I came to discover in the receiving of communion that there is also the proclamation as we gather together we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes we look back to the Lord's work upon the cross his death burial and resurrection but we also look forward to his second coming that the Lord is coming again and one of the reasons that we receive the communion meal is a testimony that we believe that Jesus is coming again and that we have aligned ourselves in faith with Jesus Christ that we are the children of God Paul continues to speak about the importance of receiving the communion as individuals he says in verse 27 therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord you know when I think about coming to the communion meal receiving communion and prayer before communion personally I, I view myself as always unworthy I am unworthy in my own flesh my own heart my own mind we might say but it is Christ Jesus who brings us to that place of becoming worthy because if we try to equate our worthiness by the things that we do the works that we do or the things that we do not do the things that we keep ourselves from and then we are in a sense taking the approach of a works towards salvation approach in reality we are all unworthy of the body and blood of Christ it's only Jesus Christ who has made us worthy it's Jesus through his work on the cross that by faith that we are found worthy when we believe in Jesus's work his death burial and resurrection it also reminds us that we should take serious though the communion meal we shouldn't take it lightly that was the uh, condemnation that Paul brought to them that they were actually despising the meal itself they were taking it lightly they were shaming those and despising those within the church they were taking the communion meal as if it was just another piece of bread another cup of wine to drink we might say that bread and drink of that cup so we are too it's a testing of oneself we're doing some testing today I've already discovered that recording of the message I failed the test maybe we'll see teaching in the hot Sun with an iPad failed the test I can't handle the heat of the Sun I can barely handle the heat of the Sun right now but the Greek word actually refers to a testing of metals you do the testing of metals to see if it's pure or not or the purity of the metal itself in the uh, the Greek word would have been applied perfectly in the sunshine condition that we have right now to that of ceramics in the day that Paul wrote this often someone who wanted to hide the flaws of their ceramics would take wax and fill in the cracks or the uh, flaws within a piece and then put it in the marketplace but they would always keep it in the shade 
because they knew that the sun would expose the cracks there. And this is the type of testing. But it's not the sunshine that we're asking to expose these things. It's the Son of God. And so I think it is wise when we come to the communion table to tell the Lord, Lord, I realize that I am not worthy to receive of your body and your blood. But through faith in what you've done, according to the word of God, Lord, you say that I am worthy. And so I stand upon the word of God. And Lord, if there is anything in me that should prevent me from having right fellowship with you, Lord, pierce my heart even now that I can confess it before you, that I might declare it before you, that I might be made whole or made clean. We find this happen for David after he had sinned with Bathsheba and attempted to hide that sin. He spoke about the condition of his heart at that time. And he began in Psalm 51, 1 saying, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. And then he went on and he said to the Lord that when I tried to cover these things, that I only found brokenness in my bones, in my heart. So he cried out to the Lord. Psalm 51 verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Verse 11, Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. David knew to come to the Lord. There was a time when he had sinned against the Lord that he refused to repent of that sin. And he said, it was as if my bones grew old within me. But then he confessed his transgressions. He confessed his sin before the Lord and he found healing. He was allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to examine him. And I think it's a good thing for us. Let a man examine himself. Let a woman examine herself. But in the examination process to ask the Lord, Lord, here I stand before you. Show me of any unworthy thing in my life. Lord, let me confess it to you now. I think that's what makes communion also a doubly beautiful, a double blessing, not only in the remembrance of what Jesus did for us, but reminding us that right now is the forgiveness of sin that is available to us. As it tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Paul continued, verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment of himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we are to not take it lightly. We're to discern what Jesus did for us. We don't want uh, judgment or uh, chastisement from the Lord. We'll get to that in a moment. But we want the Lord's forgiveness when we come to the communion table. 
But he went on to explain in verse 30, for this reason, many are weak, sick among you, many sleep. So in this certain circumstance, Paul accredited maybe both physically and spiritually the weak, the sickness that was within the church of Corinth, those who had who had went to sleep, and not that they were sleeping and couldn't make it to church, that this was the nice way in the New Testament that they said that the people had died, that they went to be with the Lord. He said because they did not examine themselves, because they had eaten and had drunk from the Lord's meal in an unworthy manner, they were weak, they were sick, many had slept. And then he said, verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now here Paul takes a stance, a difference between the unbeliever and the believer. He said, when we judge ourselves, we are chastened by the Lord, but are not condemned with the world. There's a difference. He is not saying that we are not saved. He is not saying that the body and blood of Christ has not covered us of our sin. He's somewhat saying that perhaps we are not in right fellowship with God at the moment. We plan to receive communion. And here's the beauty again of communion. Before receiving communion, we each have an opportunity to plead to the Lord, saying, Lord, I know that I have failed to live up to the standard that your word says I should live up to. And Lord, in my own strength, I could never live up to that standard. But Lord, by the blessing of the Holy Spirit that you've given me in my life, would you help me to walk in your ways? Would you wash me once again in Lord, chasten me if need be, that I would not be condemned with the world. And the chastening of the Lord is far better than the condemnation of the world. The condemnation speaks about that ultimate condemnation that will come upon this world that rejects Jesus Christ. But we are not part of that condemnation. But as the body of Christ, as the children of God, well, then we might be those who would be chastened by the Lord, but we should desire that. We should want that. For the chastening of the Lord means that we belong to Jesus. Rarely in my lifetime as a parent have I ever disciplined someone else's child. On occasion, I have. But the reason I hold back, it's not my child. So why should I discipline them? Maybe if you're in the position of authority, perhaps in a youth group setting, then you have the authority to bring discipline, a Sunday school teacher. You have the authority to bring discipline to someone else's child. But when it's your child, it's easy to do so, to bring that correction because they're your child. You want to see them succeed in this life. We're the children of God. God desires that we'd walk in fellowship with him. So Paul said in verse 33 and 34, Therefore, my beloved brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. It only seems right. Hey, I've noticed in our world today, one thing that 
being raised in a Christian family has taught me that we pray before we eat our meal. It also has caused us to wait for one another because before we eat, we pray. And in our household, before we eat, we join hands and then we pray. So we wait for one another. It's a matter of respect. But I too get in those situations where we're in a, someone else's home, someone who is not a believer, maybe it's friends, maybe it's family, maybe it's some public gathering, maybe it's a wedding, and they do things differently. I don't interrupt their process, but even in certain circumstances, we will pause, we will pray, and we'll respect the setting that we find ourselves in. But we wait for one another. I think that that is a blessing, not only for the prayer, but for those who have been cooking the meal. I know uh, my wife from Mexico that in their culture, Lily has never done this, but her mother would serve the meal and she would not sit and eat. Her job was to serve and to give you way too much food that you, you needed. If you ate what was on your plate, she would fill the plate again and give you more. Her job, her role was to serve. But I like it that in our home, in my mom and dad's home, that we sat together. Here in the church, we are to wait for one another. Together we worship. That's why we do many of the things we do in worship. We do them together as the body of Christ. He goes on to say, verse 34, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come to you. So Paul had more to say on this issue. But basically, he said, when we come together as the body of Christ, we are to be considerate of one another. We're to wait for one another. We're to serve one another. We're to not get into groups, divisions, sects that we would divide under, but we are to realize that we are one in the body of Christ. So the body of Christ together, we come together. Paul said, I do not praise you. There was division. There were factions within their body. He taught that when we come together as the body of Christ, we're not to have divisions, we're not to have factions. In fact, when we come together, and especially at the agape feast, the communion meal, we are to come together in remembrance of what Christ has done for us. By taking the body, which was broken before the cross, his body broken there upon the cross as well, but by his stripes we are healed. By taking the blood through which the Bible teaches, we gain a covering. We're to do these things in remembrance of the Lord, to look back to his work upon the cross, his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed, but also in the proclamation, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, that the Lord Jesus is coming again. We're also, when we gather together, we're not to gather together in an unworthy manner, although every one of us would most likely willingly admit when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, in our own strength, we are unworthy. But it's Jesus Christ that makes us worthy. It's faith in the work of Jesus Christ that we become worthy. 
but it does not mean that we are without sin. And so the communion meal then becomes a great place where we come together to ask the Lord individually as we gather together corporately to receive communion, to ask the Lord individually to cleanse us and to wash us and to make us whole. So Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. And we thank you, Lord, for the sun that is shining. And we pray, Father, that you'd not only be with our church, but all the churches across this great land. We pray that you would give us wisdom. Give us wisdom, Lord, for our national leaders, our state and local leaders. Give wisdom, Lord, to the leaders within our fellowships. And give wisdom, Lord, to every family member. That we would know how we ought to walk and conduct ourselves in the days that we find ourselves in. So we pray your blessing upon us, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together and to worship you this day. And in God's great praise and glory, Lord, we say thank you. And we say amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Oh,